Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Join now here on the flagship podcast by a man whose days probably feel like they never end. Um, the one and only Big 12 Commissioner, Bob Bowlesby. And Bob, I mean, you've done it all in this business. You've been an athletic director in multiple conferences, and you've been the Big 12 Commissioner. Did you ever in your wildest dreams think you would be trying to navigate a conference uh, to a football season while, as you've said, coexisting with a global pandemic? Well, your description of my career is apt, Chip, uh, and all that makes me is old. But uh, even after all those years, I can't honestly say that I could have anticipated or had ever experienced anything quite like this. This is, uh, um, we're, we're trying to coexist. Uh, some days it's tougher than others. Uh, we, we certainly have learned a lot over the last six months and uh, uh, intellectually, it's fascinating, but emotionally, it is it is very difficult, uh, as it is for our coaches and our student athletes and and anybody that loves college football. So it's a it's a time unlike any other. It's unprecedented in many ways. Uh, it requires some uh, some thought processes that are very different than than those that we might be applying at this time of the year in a normal football season, but. Uh, so far, we're putting one foot in front of the other and uh, trying to make small adjustments and trying to move ahead as best we can. Well, and uh, we'll start off with the Big 12, because obviously everyone was watching um, on the same day that the Big 10 and the Pac-12 uh, said they would not pursue a fall college football season. The Big 12 presidents said we will continue toward a a fall college football season. So um, what do you think the Big 12 presidents needed the most reassurance about, uh, Commissioner, um, after having the Big 10 and the the Pac-12 say that they would not pursue a fall schedule? Well, you know, I think first thing that needs to be said is uh, the the last thing I'm going to do and the last thing any of our athletics directors or presidents or chancellors are going to do is make decisions uh, based upon their own opinion solely. Uh, they're going to listen to medical professionals and scientists, and that's what we've done. And uh, you can look at the same data and come to different conclusions, and, and I think that's really what has happened. We uh, are of the belief that um, our medical professionals and our consultants uh, have told us that we can indeed coexist and that we can move forward slowly. We need to be careful. We need to uh, constantly readjust, but that uh, there isn't anything that indicates that um, you're any more likely to 
to get COVID in a sports environment than you are to get it in any other walk of life, uh, going to a restaurant, uh, being at, a, at an event of some sort. And so, you know, as long as we can put the safety of, of our student athletes and coaches and everybody that's participating first and foremost, and if we get to have fans, the safety of fans as well, uh, as long as we can look ourselves in the mirror and say that we're doing that in in good shape, I think uh, I think we can continue to move forward. Um, make no mistake about it, however, if if we get to the point where the people advising us say um, you got two wheels off the tracks and and the train is is going uh, in a bad direction pretty soon, then you know we're going to have to pivot. So we're a long ways from. From playing football. We we wanted to get back to campus. We wanted to get back to some practice. We wanted to get back to preseason camp. We've done all those things. Now we want to see if we can get through the time when kids are coming back to campus in large numbers. And then the next step will be actually playing some football games. Yeah, I was going to ask you what the, what the next big hurdles are. Um, and obviously you just mentioned the, the kids coming back to campus. We got some some big schools, some big student populations coming back. And, um, you know, what, uh, I guess, in your conversations with the, with the presidents, is that something everyone's watching? And we saw North Carolina with 100-something um, positive tests among their students, and they went to online. Um, what, and you've said we have to plan for disruptions. What's your, uh, in terms of anticipating, uh, you know, what would be uh, acceptable and what wouldn't be acceptable? Oh, I, I don't know that I have any standards that I, I could share, but I, I think all of our presidents and chancellors have spent a lot of time with their, their health professionals on campus uh, thinking about mitigation practices and thinking about how you socially distance in, a, um, in a, uh, an environment that's really a Petri dish for for the transmission of diseases. And so, um, and that's especially true in the first couple of months of the, of the, the new school year. There's lots of parties and lots of activities and lots of people that haven't seen each other for a long time. And so, I, you know, I think um, there, there's all that stuff going on. And yet uh, with, our, with our football players and our other athletes in preseason camp, that's about as close to a, a bubble environment as we're going to get with college students. And so, you know, I, I don't know that um, our presidents and chancellors have necessarily said if we have X number of cases, we have to make it <clears throat> make a move. I don't know that they've looked at it from a percentage standpoint. I, I think there are certainly some things that trigger concern. You know, as you as you begin to tax emergency uh, services and you tax testing and you tax. Uh, being able to mitigate people and, and whether you're you're successful in that or not. I mean, those are things that we're all watching. But um, you know, it's it's early in the process, and and I think the experience we had with bringing student athletes back to campus is is probably a pretty good indication. We end up with a with a number of positive tests. Many of them were asymptomatic positives, but uh, of concern nonetheless. And then once uh, the, the football players began to understand that they had to wear masks, they had to wash their hands, they had to socially distance, they had to do some things differently in the weight room, and they had to be more careful when they go out to dinner or when they are around friends. Um, once you begin to understand those things and, and apply best practices, 
um, you you can have some success in coexisting. And so um, I think that's the process that will take place on campus and some will do it better than others. But uh, I, I think, uh, you know, this is not a one-year problem. The, we're, the, the virus is going to be with us for a while. Everybody that uh, is uh, scientifically based assessing this is saying the same thing. You need to plan for uh, not the time when you get better testing or not the time when you get to the point where you uh, have a vaccine. But it's, it's a period of time after that as well before everything is going to settle in and and we get back to some semblance of normal. How, Bob, um, how uh, how dependent are how dependent is the Big Twelve on the SEC and the ACC continuing to move toward a fall uh, football schedule? Well, you know, as we've said all along, we've um, the three of us plus the Big Ten and the Pac. 12 have done a lot of collaboration. I, it, I have missed very few days since the first part of March where I didn't have a conference call with my A5 colleagues. And despite the fact that, that on some uh, issues we went different directions, uh, we've, we've spent a lot of time collaborating and, and we like and trust one another. And, and uh, although we try and beat each other's brains out when we're, when we're playing on the field, we, uh, we, we actually work together a lot. And so, um, you know, as we go forward, uh, the, the three of us now are, uh, find ourselves working together more frequently. We talk, uh, you know, at least a couple times a week, usually more often than that. And um, so if, uh, if the SEC decided that they, you know, had an outbreak or that uh, um, they had a couple of states that were really not in good shape and they weren't going to be able to go forward and, and decided that they were going to shut it down, it, it certainly would have an impact on us, uh, just as, uh, you know, if we had those sorts of outbreaks and shut it down, it would have an impact on the ACC and the SEC. So, you know, I, I, I don't know that there's any magical critical mass, but I think we've all been told the same things by our doctors and, and our uh, scientists, and that is do the things we're telling you, uh, move at the pace that we're suggesting you move, make small adjustments, um, you have a chance to move this forward. Uh, you know, I, I heard some reports earlier today about what's being done at some of our military bases. And, uh, and they've gone forward, bringing in 1,200 new recruits a week uh, and, and done so with, with relatively little infection level. And so, you know, if the, the mitigation things, uh, separation, social distancing, masks, uh, hand washing, uh, they work. Uh, and, and they'll continue to work. And so uh, are we going to uh, be in a situation with zero risk? Probably not. Are we going to be in a situation where we have no positive tests? Probably not. Um, having said that, however, um, the, the serious implications for young people between 18 and 40 are, are very, very rare. And uh, in the case of uh, somebody that uh, has tested positive, we're gonna put them through an extensive uh, series of tests afterwards that includes EKG and echocardiogram and, and troponin testing and cardiac MRI. And, and those things uh, will allow us to know just exactly what's going on with that student athlete. And you know, in some cases, you probably make a decision that they don't return to activity. In other cases, you, you may, on good medical advice, say, yeah, you can slowly return and, 
and this is how you do it. So, you know, it, it's a uh, it's going to be a process, and and it's uh, frankly not like anything I've ever dealt with. Well, and it sounds like the the heart uh, testing um, is a, a big part of. Well, there were concerns out obviously um, about the the reports that were coming out that uh, COVID nineteen um, was causing stress on the heart, causing um, you know things that could have long-term effects. And uh, the Big 12, you just mentioned some of the heart testing that is uh, occurring. What, uh, what as a conference has everyone agreed to, to do? Is, is there baseline testing happening ahead of time or is this happening af- after someone tests positive for COVID-19? No, everybody is testing on an entry basis, and and we did that early in the summer, and they've continued to be tested throughout the summer. Um, During the season, uh, we will test three times a week. Uh, There'll be a test that's on Sunday or Monday that's a PCR test. There'll be a a PCR test on on Wednesday, and then there'll be uh, an antigen test on uh, Friday. And in the case of visiting teams, it'll be before they leave campus to go get on a plane or get on a bus. Um, In the case of home teams, it could be Friday evening. Uh, But there'll also be a lot of people around the game that are tested, chain gangs, uh, people that are on the sideline for one reason or another. I, I think that's one of the big differences you'll see this year during the season is uh, there'll be relatively few people on the sidelines, and including cheerleaders and dance teams and bands and those kinds of things. Uh, we're, we're still working through some of the logistics of that, but you know, in addition to the testing, there's, there's just hundreds of, of uh, operational things that uh, go, need to be decided, uh, not the least of which is you know, what happens if one team or the other can't, can't play. Uh, is it a forfeit? Is it a a, uh, a no contest? Uh, is, does it get rescheduled later in the year? Uh, we've built in some extra buys and some extra time in the season so that we can deal with some of those. But um, many of these decisions are going to have to be made in real time. Uh, yeah, there's just there's no you can do all the scenario planning you want to ahead of time, but they're going to have to be decisions made in real time, and we have to be prepared to make them. What are some of the the unique uh, challenges to the Big Twelve, either state by state, um, that uh, that that league schools are facing uh, right now? Well, you know, a lot of the health decisions um, are and should be made by governors and public health officials, and uh, it's been that way in Texas as we've dealt with, uh, you know, what was a a pretty abrupt spike and, and now um, a, a, a relative uh, smoothing out of that and declining of, of cases. Uh, that's certainly the case here in Dallas County where, you know, at one point we were getting about 2,000 positive tests a day and we're, we're now down to a couple hundred a day. And so uh, some of the trends are, are positive and, uh, and, and that's a good thing. Um, I, I think it varies a bit from state to state um, in terms of the level of infection and the level of spread of the disease. And it also varies somewhat in terms of how governors and health officials are dealing with it. And, uh, you know, the, the state of Iowa, where I spent a lot of my uh, younger years, uh, 
you know, University of Iowa is in the Big Ten and they're not playing and Iowa State's in the Big 12 and they are playing and it's in the same state. So, you know, the uh, we we can look at the same data. We can talk to many of the same uh, professionals and doctors and, and come to different conclusions. And uh, uh, I, I feel good about who's advising us and I feel good about the decisions we've come to. But you know, I, I'm not prepared to declare victory. I mean, we're a long ways from the first game, and there there are a lot of ways that uh, we could get off the rails. And, uh, you know, we, we could be just exactly where the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are um, if if things uh, don't go well and if we aren't able to, to manage it safely. The non-conference game, um, Bob, that uh, is that uh... – I mean, obviously, it's on the schedule for, for all the teams, uh, as well as the nine conference games. Um, is that game expendable um, if necessary? I mean, it obviously is a test run, a bit of a test run uh, for, for teams heading into the conference schedule. But uh, has there been any conversation along those lines? Uh, well, I, I, you know, I, I don't know that I would characterize it as a test run because we need to make sure we do all the things that, that we say we're going to do. Um, everybody we're going to play is, ha- is going to have to adhere to our testing standards, so they'll have to be tested three times during the, the, the week prior to the game. Um, the, uh, you know, at one point we had, uh, we all had three non-conference games scheduled. We lost a few of those due to the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, and and we've lost some uh, due to other leagues' changes. And so, you know, you're you're not um, you're not completely operating under your own auspices because you're you're responding to what's happening with with some other conferences. But um, an opportunity uh, from a team preparation standpoint to get a game under our belt and then have a week to reorganize. Uh, there's just a there's just a lot of different things going on in terms of how coaches are structuring practices and how they're separating people from each other and how they're making sure that they they keep position groups so that they you know all of their players aren't in in one position group aren't in one place at one time and and you risk having your entire offensive line or something uh, come down with a a positive test so you know it's uh, I I think it's it's a voyage of discovery every day and um, we we just got to the point where we felt like yeah playing a game in mid-September makes some sense we'd like to start our conference season a little later than that so we chose the 26th and I don't know that there's any magic about it. It could have, you know, we talked about staying with uh, two non-conference games. We talked about not going, not having any non-conference games. Uh, Because we play a full round robin every year, um, we're pretty well limited to uh, the flexibility we have on our conference games. And so unlike other leagues where they can say, yeah, we got 14 members, we'll play 10 conference games. We, we could only get nine, and so I think that probably caused us to think a little more about whether we wanted a non-conference game or not. You've been a, a athletic director, as you said, in the Big Ten at Iowa and also at Stanford in the Pac-12. Um, the reactions, anything notable about the reactions? The Big Ten, I think, I mean, obviously you've got Justin Fields with a petition with 300,000 signatures. you got parents going to the 
to the league office in Chicago, um, Nebraska, Scott Frost was saying we will play games against uh, other conferences outside of the big 10 this year. Um, you know, your response to the, to the reactions. Well, um, you know, the, the, uh, my former institution, Iowa, um, was among those that was, was unhappy. And, and some of that has to do with a, a relatively modest uh, outbreak of the disease in the state. And I, I think Nebraska probably feels the same way. Um, you know, I, I wasn't in the room. I don't presume to know all, all there is to know about how they made their decision. Uh, uh, frankly, I've had enough to do trying to figure out what our league was going to do. Uh, without worrying about them or the the Pac-12, and and so um, as I said at the outset, I think I think reasonable people can look at uh, data and can look at circumstances uh, differently and come to different conclusions. And I, I think it's it's probably as simple as that. Um, the the one thing that I think our student athletes feel good about is that we and it's not just football players. I think it's other student athletes as well is we didn't take their choices out of their hands. Um, we, we said, if you want to play, uh, we think we can manage it and we'll try and manage it. We'll, we'll put forth every effort to manage it. If you don't want to play, you can opt out and keep your scholarship. And uh, we, every one of our schools has committed to that. And if you have a redshirt year, you can you can redshirt if you're uncomfortable and and you you keep your eligibility and you keep your your scholarship. And so um, they they have some choices. And I think our I think our student athletes feel, feel very good about having those choices. Now, none of us have any absolute certainty, but we've been able to get them some answers on financial aid and eligibility. And and I think they're comfortable that we're putting forth a good effort. Our, our testing and surveillance process is as rigorous as any out there. And so um, I, I think uh, our student athletes are in a pretty good place. And we, we, we came to a different conclusion than some of the other leagues did. But um, I, I feel very comfortable with our process, uh, with those that are advising us. And, um, you know, our board and our athletics directors have been very collaborative and uh, very thoughtful about how we made the decisions. And, uh, you know, to reiterate, that doesn't mean that we get through the season. We, you know, we're going to try and, and we're going to, we're going to stop when we get to the point where uh, anybody's health is at risk. We'll continue uh, with uh, Bob Bowlesby here on the flagship podcast. eBay motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
the Big 12 board is meeting every other Monday. They met uh, this past week. Um, is there's you know there was talk that maybe the conference was a little bit divided uh, with regard to whether to continue to proceed toward a college football season. How would you characterize the the majority in the Big 12? Well, first of all, um, the the assertion that was in the media recently is nothing more than irresponsible journalism. Um, our, our athletic directors could not be more unified. Our board could not be more unified. Uh, it, it is nothing short of irresponsible journalism. And I can't imagine where anyone would come up with that, but uh, they, uh, the, the group is, uh, it's one of the real blessings I have is, is that our board is engaged. Uh, our presidents and chancellors uh, almost never miss a meeting, and our ADs have been very engaged. And uh, th- this is the best group of athletic directors I've ever worked with. They're, uh, you know, I in the past I've been one of them, and they were my colleagues. But in, in terms of working with our ADs, they are they are smart and insightful and thoughtful and caring and. Uh, I, I couldn't ask for two better groups to work with than our ADs and our, and our board. Um, Bob, when you hear people say because of all the disparity in the way that the five conferences are handling situations right now, that there needs to be a, a one voice, a one uh, college football commissioner, um, what's your reaction to that? Oh, I, you know, there are always going to be um, – there are always going to be issues that are resolved at the conference level unless there aren't conferences. And so, uh, you know, in the end, it's my responsibility to try and lead the Big 12 in ways that are best for the Big 12. And that may not always be what is best for some other conference. And so, you know, even even the NFL or the NBA, uh, the commissioners work for the owners. And so, you know, it's uh, people think commissioners have a lot of authority and a lot of a lot of uh, uh, we have a lot of responsibility. But I don't make decisions uh, very often. Uh, It's our board and our athletic directors that that make policy. And so, you know, when you when you think about having a football czar or a basketball czar, uh, that's it's. it's a product of a very shallow understanding of how all this works. Yeah. I mean, college football has always been, um, you know, very regional and in those regions have very different. I mean, I think as we're seeing the big 10 is up in arms or at least members of the big 10 are up in arms about their college football or their fall season being pushed to the spring and the PAC 12, we're not seeing as much, of uh, that kind of reaction. And, and so it's by its nature, college football and the regional nature of it, it would seem to make it very difficult. But um, as you, as you look at this going forward, uh, how appreciative and thankful are you to have the, the relationships you you've been a commissioner um, you know, you're, you're have a longer tenure than most of the presidents now at the universities. In fact, how about Texas and OU both having first year presidents, the two schools that formed this league back in 1996. And then you look at the big 10, Kevin Warren, who comes in after Jim Delaney and maybe doesn't have just the comfort level or trust or all the, you know, the history of the relationships with, with that league's presidents and chancellors and, 
Um, and just especially at a time like this, that you need that. Yeah, well, it's a difficult time. It, it's a it's a very difficult time to lead because um, knowing where to lead is a challenge. Uh, you know, we 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 do hundreds of scenarios, and the inputs are flawed, so the outputs are flawed, and so you you really can't get yourself to the point where you have any confidence. Uh, you know, we're we're accustomed in an athletic environment to saying okay, we see our opponent over there. Let's put a game plan together. We'll see if we can execute it. And then afterwards, we'll evaluate and, and uh, hold ourselves accountable. Well, right now, we can't do any of that because you, the, the target, the opponent is a moving target. And uh, what, you, what you thought was golden 60 days ago is garbage now. And so it's just a uh, – it, it's frustrating from that standpoint not being able to – to uh, get your arms around a moving target. And uh, we're, we're getting a little more certainty day by day and week by week. But um, I, I just think that, uh, you know, if you could tell me what the virus is going to do in November, December, and January, I can, I can forecast a little bit for you what kind of chance we have to get a bowl season in and, and some basketball played. But absent uh, knowing that, and I, I challenge anybody to know it at this point, um, you know, I, I just think it's really hard to plan. And, and so it's a, it's a very uncomfortable feeling to not be able to nail down any of those variables uh, and, to, and to make plans. And we're just, we're just not very accustomed to, um, to, to that sort of um, flexibility and, and that sort of uncertainty. Well, you, I mean, is it as simple as saying, um, the most disciplined teams in terms of their ability to keep 18 to 22 year olds from going to parties and bars um, are going to have the best chance of success. And in that's incumbent for us to get through a college football season. And is that tightrope walk equivalent to a, a winning lottery ticket or, <laughs> or it, are the odds or, are the odds less than that in, in terms of uh, the ability to get through a season? Well, it, it's, you hit it right on the head. I, I think um, the most disciplined team, the, the, those that are most self-disciplined away from the field, um, in their social life, in their living uh, areas, uh, in, in their, you know, where they, where they go with the time away from the classroom and away from the, uh, the playing field, uh, in large measure, uh, the, the best practices are the most disciplined, uh, are, are going to win. And, you know, as you think about, uh, the days when we were 18 to 22 year old college students, or when our children were, um, they, they tend not to be the most self-disciplined and they, they tend to, to do things that, that parents might characterize as risky behavior. And uh, so, you know, I, I think we are calling upon student athletes to to be more thoughtful. And, and uh, when you, you know, when you make a decision to go into a party, um, it, it isn't about drinking underage necessarily. And it isn't about uh, being around, uh, you know, somebody that maybe you shouldn't be around. Uh, it really is about you. You might find yourself uh, inflicted with a virus that would take you away from playing for a while. 
And so, um, you know, when you, when you begin to measure that, um, in, indeed, you hit it right on the head. Uh, the, the teams that are most self-disciplined, that apply the best social distancing in their, in their uh, film study and in their team meetings, uh, those that do the best job of wearing gaiters or wearing masks uh, when they're on the sidelines, um, those that wash their hands most frequently, um, it's, it's going to make a difference. And, uh, uh, you know, time, time will tell if, uh, if what you suggested is true. But um, sitting here today, uh, I, think, I think you hit it right on the head. I, I think the most disciplined team uh, will, will have the most success. Well, last thing, Bob, and we really appreciate uh, Bob Bullsby, the Big 12 commissioner, joining us here on the flagship podcast. And uh, Bob, the student involvement, Sam Ellinger from Texas, you all have involved the students and Caden Stearns, I think, from Texas as well. How, how has that gone? What, what have you uh, enjoyed about that? What have you learned by involving your student athletes in, in the decision making? Uh, well, you know, first of all, uh, having spent, you know, almost 40 years on campus, I, I really miss the interaction with students. Uh, you know, I even miss some of the knucklehead stuff that they do. And, you know, you just, you know, they're going to do it, but uh, they're, they're young kids and, and young adults. But um, we, we had the last call, we had about 25 football players on. We started out trying to get two from each school, but we ended up with a few more than that. And, um, you know, Sam is a good example. He, he's very bright, very thoughtful, um, a, a great leader. Um, he, he knew he was there representing the rest of his team. He had good questions, uh, fair questions about eligibility and about uh, interrupted seasons and about testing and safety, uh, very thoughtful questions. There, there were several on the call that had already had the virus and were in various stages of recovery. Uh, one uh, still hadn't recovered his sense of taste after six or eight weeks. And so they, they all had different experiences. They were all from different places, but they, they just gave us uh, a lot of insight into uh, what the, the concerns of students are. Uh, and particularly student athletes, uh, what was unique to to uh, football because this was a, a group of football players, but um, they, they're just uh, they're bright and articulate, and um, they they care. They they cut through the baloney. They'll ask you hard questions, and and they'll expect that you don't dance around it. You, you give them give them answers, and so um, I I really appreciate them taking the time, and and it was. Uh, it was extremely helpful to us in, in making the decisions because one of the things we heard from them is we really want to play. We, we don't want to go play uh, and risk our lives. Uh, we don't want to have to change the way we live our lives from here on out. But if we can do it safely, um, we want to play. And so, you know, we heard that loud and clear and, and uh, it influenced our decision. Last thing, if there is no college football in the fall is it accurate to say there's probably no other sports for that academic year I, I think that's probably right um, you know there'll be some uh, conversation about that and and uh, you know likely a lot of institutional input but uh, that that's uh, likely to be the circumstance I think based upon what I've heard from our our campuses 
Well, you have said from the beginning, we're going to have to coexist with COVID-19 probably for the next 24 months. Uh, I thought it was brilliant. I mean, it, it's real. It's real talk. And I think that that you condition um, your presidents and chancellors and everybody in the, in the conference uh, to think that way. And you said we should anticipate disruptions if we get the season going. So um, I, I give you a lot of credit, uh, Bob. I've known you a long time. You're salt of the earth. I think people uh, trust what you tell them. And that means a lot. It means everything at this particular time. And so uh, thanks so much for the time. I know it's, it's day to day, but uh, uh, stay safe and keep the faith. Yeah, th- thanks. I appreciate your kind words, Chip. And uh, uh, be well. And, and uh, you know, with a, with a little bit of hard work and good luck, uh, maybe we'll be seeing some football in the not too distant future. Well, that's, uh, we're all hoping for that, that's for sure. And uh, the Big 12 is still in the mix with the SEC and the ACC. That's Thanks exactly. so much to, uh, to Bob Bowlesby for joining us today and uh, to everyone for listening to us here on the Flagship Podcast. Uh, until next time, I'm Chip Brown. Stay safe and keep the faith. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.